Wait, is that? Oh, hold on a second. My mother's calling. Let me just say hi and tell her that I have to about to record. Oh my gosh. Hello, mother. Are you doing your show, honey? I was about to do my show, yes. What's up? All right. Well, you know what? I'm not going to do any of that. Hey, episode 204 on taking pictures. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the photography show to end all photography shows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Sidoris, DC, Bill Wadman, Brooklyn. (laughs) I like how we're single-handedly going to end photography. (laughs) We are going to end it. We are, we, it is it. I, uh, I put up a thing. Oh, that's such a good song. Isn't it? Kenny Loggins. Um, (laughs) wait, 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 wait. Just, just. What we're do you on got? Spotify now. Oh, we're we're on Spotify. See, we I know you sent me that link. I hadn't noticed that. That's pretty yeah. cool. OTP. If you if you look up photography on Spotify on the mobile app, right? Yeah. Spotify on your iPhone or your Android device. Uh, and 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 do a search for photography, and then scroll down twenty seven pages. No, 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 no. There are two photography shows. Oh, really? One that talks about gear a lot. Okay. And then that shall the, remain nameless. And then the good one that you're listening to now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kidding. You know, you know I, I put up a thing the other day because I, I met a guy who was like, oh, I want to hear your podcast. Like, which episode should I listen to? And I'm like, oh, geez, uh, I, I have no idea where you should start. So I put up a question on the group and. Uh, Fred, you know, Connor said, he's just like, I think you talked about, photo- I like the one you talked about photography. I think it was either episode one or episode two. <laughs> the downhill ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about photography. Uh, you're, you're back from uh, the, the big easy. Back from the big easy, both and, arms intact. And, uh, and you seem like you had a, uh, a more exciting end of the week than the beginning of the week. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, not a bad meal in the whole city that we had. Uh, it was terrific food. Uh, tried seafood that I, I'm not really a big seafood fan, but. What kind of seafood did you try? Uh, fish and chips, a, a locally caught. It was, it's called Louisiana black drum is the type of fish. Okay. And it was battered in a locally brewed blonde ale. Okay. Terrific. Loved it. Uh, you know. Po'boys and muffalettas. Yeah. How about soft shell crab? You d- you uh, I did not that? have soft shell crab nor nor shrimp. You don't eat shrimp. Uh, I'm not a big shrimp fan. Okay. Yeah, not a big shrimp fan. Uh, is it a Napoleonic was, thing? Is that what? It is? I you know I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I like it a little. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like that. But uh, you know the city is a, is just a shooting gallery. It, it is it is really fantastic to to wander around and and see uh details primarily for me there were so many people around that that i tried to uh focus on smaller details smaller characteristics of the city rather than you know wide shots because there were just people everywhere i like the door window the broken window shot or something you put up a couple days ago oh with the with the yellow building in the background yeah that was really pretty thanks that was a good one thank you thank you um yeah, it's it. I sometimes you have to. It, it's amazing in America how different a lot of places are. I mean, it, nowadays there's all like the chain stuff that's the same everywhere and feels the same mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. But 
if you go a little bit underneath there, or if you're, you know, if you're in New York or you're in DC or you're in Philadelphia, even New York, DC, Philadelphia, Boston, which you think, oh, they're all just a few hours away from each other, would feel very similar. They all do feel very different. Right. Um, well, and New York feels different block by block in some areas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, New York is like an entire country's worth of cities all in one city. It, it really is. It, yeah. I mean, not not to make fun or anything. It it really is. And it, yeah. and what I what I found interesting about New York, not having been back for twenty five years, um, was not only the 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 feel of the different neighborhoods, but clothing styles, yeah, um, attitude. Uh, just you get different vibes from different neighborhoods and it's very different in some cases. Yeah. Where, where you choose to live says a lot about the kind of person you, you are not like uh, where it's implanting itself. Like, Oh, I want to be an upper West side kind of person. I'm going to move to the upper West side. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a certain amount of, if you're the kind of person who likes the upper West side, you're going to want to move to the upper West side. And that's a certain kind of person, you know, you just click with that type of, of feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where, where I live out in Brooklyn is, is a little more relaxed, but it's not Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is a whole other thing. You know what I mean? Which is not mm -hmm. really my vibe. So it's, it's, yeah, it's all, it's all. I, I really liked the village. I, I, I don't remember having spent much time there at all, but I, I really enjoyed yeah. how that kind of felt. Well, Greenwich village, especially felt i mean back in the day back in like the 60s and 70s i mean it was a, a cheaper place to live now starbucks can't even stay there because the rent is too high mm. um so yeah it's, it's is, okay dumb question yeah what is what is the difference between saying the village or the east village east village is a different thing uh okay. east, so uh, the village is talking about like the west village which is greenwich village where mm -hmm. East Village is like over, uh, over by like Avenue One, Two, Three, and up to like Fourteenth Street or something. So it's like between Houston and Fourteenth Street, and like the uh, what they could also call Alphabet City because it's mm. you know ABC's avenues. Um, but yeah, they're they're on opposite sides. East Village is, feels very different. Like okay. West Village okay. has its feel. East Village is more. You know what? East Village is where like rent was supposed to be located. Okay. Okay. You know, if that helps at all, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where the West Village is, where Dylan used to sing. Okay. You know? So they're yeah different places. Uh, okay. But yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, yeah. So so New Orleans, yeah, it was fun. Uh, would definitely go back. I I enjoyed it more getting out of the quarter. Okay. And uh, getting into like the warehouse district and the garden district. Sure. Uh, Beautiful homes, absolutely beautiful homes uh, in the Garden District and uh, walking around the cemeteries there was interesting. Uh, Pablo Johnson. Thank you, Pablo. Uh, had a great meal at his house. He does these meals around his his grandmother's table and he makes red beans and rice and cornbread, uh, similar to the the Red Beans Roadshow that he does sure. in little pop up locations. But you know, there are like 10 or 12 people there and, and he's, he's just a terrific host. So thank you to him. And beans and rice, uh, pretty cheap ingredients. Uh, but oh my gosh, yeah, if you it do it tastes right, like a, it tastes like a million bucks. Yep. The way yeah. the way he t he prepares them and the cornbread, watching him, you know, create all this stuff, fantastic. Loved it. So then, oh oh, uh, this is great. This is great. So, uh, we're at this this restaurant having the 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 fish and chips. Guy sits down next to me. And we strike up a conversation. He's like, so what, you know, what have you, what have you eaten while you, while you've been here? And I said, well, I had this terrific red beans and rice meal. Uh, he's like, oh, where'd you have that? And I said, oh, you know, 
friend friend is a, a chef and a photographer uh, named Pablo. And he's like, oh, I know Pablo. <laughs> I said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, I know Pablo. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's and he said things like that happen. Pablo says things like that happen all over the well, city. Well, it's a smaller are, town. Yeah. Yeah. There are people hosting these types of gatherings throughout the city. And I just I thought that was really cool. <laughs> I like the idea that you're like, well, you know, kind of special. I got this friend who's he's like, yeah, everybody's been over there to eat the red beans. Yeah, right. Too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're, yeah, get in line. You're yeah. one of many. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was it was just kind of funny that you know. And then and then uh, the next day, we ran into one of the guys that was at the dinner. Uh, Gabe ran into him in the quarter just by chance. Had yeah. no idea that you know. So it was, it was kind of cool. The little little you know kismity type things. Yeah, fun. sure. Anyway, enough about that. How are you? Welcome back. Uh, I'm Thanks. good. I'm, uh, uh, I am, uh, I'm not bad. I had, uh, I had a fun yesterday. I had, uh, coffee with an old friend of mine who's a, a puppeteer, a, a puppet maker. Oh, neat. And, uh, like string marionette type things or she does or... some of that. And she makes like, she was on the team that built all the Avenue Q puppets oh, and nice. stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, 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 yeah. she's hardcore. She worked at Henson for a while. Now she works down in Atlanta. She like runs some puppet thing down in Atlanta. Um, she moved down there a few years ago. Yeah. And she happened to be in town for this thing. So we like went out and, and whatever. And it is fascinating talking to people in other worlds. You know what I mean? Like in, in other, in other industries that especially like puppet theater, like, I mean, come on, there isn't that big of a thing. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Not, a, not a big market. That there, is aren't, a small there aren't world. as many puppeteers as there are photographers yes yeah yeah and but she you know and she's like you know she she she's in it and she's like one of the players in this game and it's just it's fascinating talking to her because she's just as just more serious about puppetry than we are about what we do you know um and just talking about how she sees how she fits into the larger scheme of puppetry and how mm. puppetry is changing over time and 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 what's enough to what makes her happy to do and not do and and when she feels like she's selling out and and what what joy she gets from her work and all that kind of stuff it was just like this kind of heavy conversation and uh yeah so caroline had this really good talk and i just thought that uh uh it, i saw you had this thing in the show notes and it kind of re- i i was asking her about this <clears throat> what, what what brought this on the the uh, which wait which one the shaking the feeling thing oh you know i I was I was talking to someone um, in New Orleans and and that question of what do you do if you can't shake the feeling that that your best work is behind you just almost verbatim came up in conversation. You know, he was just like, you know, but what do you what do you do? You know, I'm, I'm trying to create this this new stuff. I'm trying to get inspired. I'm trying to get motivated. But what do you do when you feel like you know, the best things that you're going to make, you've already made them. How old was this person? Just, I'm just wondering if age has anything to do with it. Probably forties, mm, early forties, okay. maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought, wow, that's a, hmm. Okay. What, what do you do? How do you shake that? If well, you feel like, do you feel that way? I have felt that way. I have felt like I don't have anything, you know, I get in, we all do. I say, well, not all of us, but Many of us get in that mode of, I don't have anything left to say. Um, 
I think I do have more to say. I think I've, I'm not there now, but I understood where he was coming from. Yeah. And, yeah. and it is, it is a, a, a difficult thing when, for whatever reason, you can't do the thing that you love anymore. Well, I, look, I, half my friends are professional dancers on at Lincoln Center right now. And like their job it's over at 40, 42, 45. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like you, you are, you are racing the clock every day. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and that is a whole, I mean, physically being unable to do what you love is different than mentally being able, unable to do what you love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, in some ways you and I are lucky in the sense that short of us having dementia of some sort, we can probably keep doing what we love even when our hip goes out. Or, sure. your, or sure. in your case, your other hip goes out. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like there's there, there's an element to that. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there was, uh, do you know Keith Emerson? Emerson Lake and Palmer? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Keith Emerson uh, died. Yeah. They a did, few, do they know why? Did they say? I, all, uh, they're treating it as a suicide. Oh, are they? Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I it's that. being treated as a suicide. And years ago... Uh, he had to have surgery for a carpal tunnel because he couldn't play anymore. Yeah. Or he couldn't play the way he used to play. Yep. And what's coming out now, because I'm a big Emerson, Lake and Palmer fan and have been for, for many years. And, and one of the things that they're saying now, I'm sorry, you being into prog rock, I don't believe it. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that they're saying now is is that the carpal tunnel syndrome is what drove him to commit suicide, that he couldn't do the thing that he loved. He couldn't play. So, you know, and you've got like Neil from Rush. Uh, uh, he's, he's, you know, struggled with carpal tunnel and arthritis for years. And it's, it's part of why they're not touring anymore because it's just painful for him to play. Sure. And years ago, I remember reading... I don't remember where I read it, but uh, Emerson had surgery to try and correct uh, some of the pain that, 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 that he was having. And there was an article, I'll see if I can find it, uh, that uh, this, this friend of Keith's got an email from him uh, that said something like, you know, nobody wants a musician with a disability or nobody wants to hire a musician with a disability or something like that. Sure. Yeah. And so now they're, they're, they're kind of looking at, at, did that contribute to it? And, and so that it kind of made that when I, when I heard this guy say that I I went back and I, I I thought of that again and, and thought, wow, what, what must that be like if, you know, the, the physicality of it to your point is something that you can't overcome the mental parts of it. Sometimes you can get through, you can work through it. It, it's not, it's not the same kind of barrier that a physical limitation is. Yeah. Or, or it's off. just a very different kind of barrier. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I mean, there's also the element of there are people who are say drummers, take your drummer thing mm-hmm. who get carpal tunnel and decide, okay, well I can't play a kit anymore cause I can't hold the things, but I can program drums in a computer or something. You know what I mean? Like there are people who figure out a, another way to do it. You know, Stephen sure. Hawking if- talks with his eyelids and he's still writing papers you know if if that's if that's if that satisfies you in the same way Uh, you know phil collins famously can't play anymore because he he can't hold the sticks 
Um, and it, it, man, it's, it's just, it's just weird to think about. Do, do you ever think though, that the people for whom this is a, we're talking about a mental mm-hmm. obstacle that, that at a certain point it's just sort of, you think, well, you know what? You can figure out a mental obstacle. This is a physical limitation that cannot be, you know, this is physics as right. opposed to physics of the mind of some kind, you know? And there's I, you know, people who would say that those two are equivalent in some way, but I feel like there's a certain level of, no, it's not like, you know, th- there is a solution to Emerson or Phil Collins's problem of holding right. the sticks. I, or look, I, I've been in ruts before and I've, I've been in recent ruts where I felt like I didn't have anything to say. Right. And, you know, a, a month or so ago, it was like, Bill, it was like walking into a dark room and somebody turning a light on. There was just this. I don't even remember where I was, but I, I had this, this, this change of perception. I had the, you know, inspirate, call it whatever you want, but I started drawing out sketches for new work. Right. Uh, and you know, it's happened on the treadmill at the gym. It's happened, you know, in the shower where I have to just go, I have to like stop, get out, get a post-it note or grab a piece of paper and just sketch something out. And, and I feel like that sort of limitation, you know, short of surgery or, or, you know, on a physical limitation, you can't really overcome it in the same way. It's surmountable, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, okay. Is, is, is this guy's question? Can we give him a pseudonym just to the guy who asked the question? Uh, sure. Joe or something. What's his name? Give me a name. I don't know. Think of, uh, call him, call him Franklin. Okay. Does, is Franklin's point though, that once he does start working, when even when you do have the inspiration and you make the stuff that you realize that the stuff is not as good as you made five years earlier. That is, was that, his point. Right. That, that was seems, his, he's still making work. He's still creating. Yeah. He just doesn't think it's as good. He doesn't think it's as good and he doesn't get the same kind of joy out of it. He doesn't get the same feeling out of it that he did in his twenties and thirties. And do you think and that's was, because man, the world has the changed or because he has changed? <sighs> I didn't get a chance to talk to him long enough to, to unpack a lot of that. Um, I would imagine in a, in a city using new Orleans as an example, uh, there are so many different kinds of art in that city. And, and I was, frankly, I was really surprised at not only the diversity of art there, but the quality of the art there. Uh, everything from, from crafty uh, sort of Americana or or kitsch kind of trash art up to uh, these incredible modernist, you know, abstracts or 18th century romanticism or, you know, beautiful Toulouse Lautrec. I mean, we went into, into a gallery that had, in, in one gallery, had Toulouse Lautrec, Marc Chagall, Picasso. I mean, it, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. The amount of great work there was, uh, and then terrific local work and everything in between. So I, I, I don't think that in 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 what are we calling him Franklin Franklin? I don't think in Franklin's case it was a market issue because it seems in that city at least it seems that the market is so diverse that there's I mean somebody who will buy it. Yeah, there there's a there's a gallery that sells paintings of of just blue dogs. Yeah. You know, or there's a there's a, a a gallery that's got all these 
just cat paintings. You know, sure. so uh, chances are what you're making there, it, it it's we'll find some audience. sort of audience. Yeah, yeah. I met a terrific wet plate photographer on the street that does fantastic work. She charges eighty bucks for an eight by ten. Should have had one made. If you've yeah, if you've ever had a wet plate portrait done, it's a lot more than eighty bucks. Or yeah, it's or, probably forty dollars worth of materials. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, uh, so I, I I don't get yeah. that it was a market. It could be a perception of the market issue, but it seems like it was more of an internal struggle, which is something that I can relate to more. Yeah, it it th- th- there's a number of different things in here. Um, it, you could you could see this overall sort of objective existential. I, I peaked a while ago, and I'm just sort of coasting or or doing going through the motions now. But it doesn't have the same uh, power that it had before. Mm-hmm. Whether or not other people see your work that way, irrelevant for the moment, right? For sure, for our, sure, for our sure. Of argument. But there's also the idea that you are you are doing new work. And you you know you haven't reached your peak, and you're you're more worried not that you've peaked already, but that you will never reach the peak. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is more where I kind of feel like I, I feel like I'm improving over time. My worry is, am I going to run out of time before I get where I want to be? Now, I mean, and mm. that's that's like a that's a whole other element of it. But I think that they're sort of two sides of the same mountain uh, in some way, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we, we've talked about it in terms of, of music before it, using examples like Elton John or, or Billy Joel or even Stevie Wonder, where, sure. where, you know, is, is the, is the recent stuff as good? I mean, and, and do they think it's as good? Does Elton John think what he's doing right yeah, now yeah. is as good as Tumbleweed right. Connection? Right. Does Paul McCartney or, or Paul Simon really think that their new record is the best thing they've ever done? Or is that just what they're saying on Jimmy Kimmel? Cause that's what you're supposed to say. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> and, and how do I you ask separate? that question all the time? Yeah. How do you, I mean, you, you are starting, can I say something about this? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we, we were talking over the weekend and you are starting another series of, of drabbles, yeah. which for my money, I mean, I, that's my favorite body of work that you've done. You so know? so you're I, excited that I'm doing new ones. I'm absolutely yeah. excited. And I know I, I've given you grief about the corner stuff sure. because I love seeing the conceptual stuff. That's right. where that's that's what hits the mark in your body of work for me. Right. Sure. Yeah. So so, you know, I'm talking to Bill over the weekend and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing the things that kind of travels. I'm like, wait, what? What was that yeah. word? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and I think I think. If if I'm being honest, I think part of what made that work so good was the challenge of it. Yeah. You, you set up some very definite challenges, barriers, milestones, whatever the words you want to use. Yeah. I also you, did you, 30 of them in 30 days. Right. So, so you, <laughs> These, you actually, you know, this, the, the, the new ones, I'm actually one of the frustrations I'm having with them is that these are more complicated. There's more people involved in each one mm-hmm, usually. Mm-hmm. And the locations are harder to get and stuff. It's less yeah, sort of like, but it's well, going to be better. Yes, they will be better. But I, I am losing that sort of energy you get from doing stuff fast. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you have to, you have to trade in some speed in order to get 
quality for lack of a better word you know mm-hmm. not that quality is you know completely abstract oh, what, what, is, what do they say that's uh yeah good, good fast and cheap good fast and cheap too too yeah. Right. yeah yeah so so but so yes you're right there i mean there's a challenge in there but even in the say f- six years since i did that first set i i have gotten better as a photographer i've gotten better as a retoucher i've gotten better at you know i'm a i'm a better photographer across the board than i was then i, I would uh, say that's confident true. but l- l- let me ahead. ask you a question and and be as honest with this as you can have have you embarked on anything as challenging in these last six years both creatively and technically as that first series of drabbles i've tried but i haven't they haven't stuck mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> and 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 that's part of the reason why i wanted to do this because it's sort of a you know what the, the there are <laughs> It's even funny. I, I I went in and did this shoot the other day and I had in my mind the picture that I wanted and the picture that I ended up getting. And, and I shot the picture I wanted initially. And then as we were going, uh, one of the subjects made a comment that kind of like got me thinking differently. He's like, you know, from over here, such and such. And I was like, huh. And I went around the other side and, and I noticed something that I didn't see initially Mm -hmm. and i ended up taking a picture that was much closer to what i would think of as one of my drabbles than the sort of more um pulled back slightly wide angle softer light shot that i was initially going for Hmm. and there's a little bit of disappointment in myself that i wasn't able to overcome my tendencies you know, it's sort of well, like we, we've uh, talked about those things, right? The, the the things that you rely on, whether it's a point of view or a tool or a yeah, technique, you know, and but and and you kind of wonder, it's, you know, it's like uh, uh, Tiger Woods will take apart his swing and rebuild it from the ground up and hopefully have a better swing at the end. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, people do this um, now. The question is whether that's the right move or whether I mean, assuming that the swing he was doing before wasn't ripping up his back or whatever it is, the reason why he changed it in the first place. If if you, if you find yourself slipping back into your old pathways, maybe those pathways are worn because they're the right place to walk. Not because you just happen to be on them all that time. Maybe, you know, and, maybe. and you don't know, you know, and I, and I'm happy with this first shot and it's good and I've got some work to do on it, but 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 it's not what I expected it to be when I walked in the door, and that not rattled me, but it rattled me a little bit. Mm-hmm. It sort of made me go, "Oh, what is this going to be then?" If not if not the intellectual affair that I expected it to be, you know, we, you and I talk about this all the time when we're endeavoring into new podcast stuff or writing projects or whatever it is. The, the the idea, oh, well, I'm going to plan this out and I'm going to figure out who we're going to talk to and we're going to have a marketing thing and we're going to figure right. out whatever. Right. But invariably, nothing I ever do like that works out the way I expect it to be. If anything, my biggest successes are the ones I just fall into or dive into. Right. I sort of like, you know what? I'm just going to jump in the pool. I'll figure out how to swim. I'm not going to sit here and, 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 you know, do a dog paddle motion in the air until I feel like I got it ready and then jump in the pool. Right. Cause like it, it, that never works for me. I'm 41 years old and it's never worked for me. It never worked for me in school. It never worked for me in, in professional life. It never worked for me in photography, you know? And, and 
that's something that that I think about a lot. And I know there are people for whom preparation is like the key to their success. But but for me, preparation ends up making the whole thing feel um, not like me, you know? Well, and and look, you you are you are often like so many of us really hard on yourself when you don't see something or get something that you think you should have seen or gotten. Sure. Yep. Yeah, we all are. Sure. Yep. Um, but if 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 that little sort of external nudge is is enough to to sort of move the kaleidoscope a little bit and on the next one you go hmm i wonder if i should walk around a little bit before i shoot this or where else might this work from and and that part is fine i guess it's i i i thought that the the look that i'm sort of sliding into is very much me as opposed to a completely new thing Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's it, and and maybe I was right all along about the direction I was going. So you know, um, th- there are things that I like in other people's work that sometimes I try to emulate or try to pull from that mm-hmm. end up not really being me. It's like you know, it's like if I tried to do a a a, a dance move of of Michael Jackson, I'm not built like Michael Jackson. I look like an idiot right. doing right. a dance move like Michael Jackson. You know, well, even I mean, even visually, if we if we look at some of like, you know, at, at the street stuff that we've talked about several times. Sure. Yeah, you're still out there looking sort of. But I, I, I feel like more often than not, when you take a picture, you look at it and go, nah, it's still, you know, like you keep trying it. But it's like, I still don't like pudding. You know, I, I've tried all these different flavors, but I still don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And. and most of the Where, time, by the way, if I put a picture up of something, it's something I just happen to see. It's not like I'm right. out looking for it. Yeah, but that—that's my point. Is—is is that that act of going out and looking for it? That's not your jam. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. So yeah. so on on some level, it's like, well, why even bother? Focus focus on on creating these things, which which you are really good at. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I mean, find, find the thing that actually gives you joy and do that. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. And, uh, so it, yeah, it was, it was an interesting conversation. And, and again, I mean, it, it's had me thinking about it on, on, on a bunch of different levels. And then to read this thing about Keith, it's like, wow, what if, you know, what would you do? You know, what would you do if, if for some reason you couldn't lift a camera or, you know, your eyesight went or, you know, any of these things where it wasn't, it wasn't something that you could, that you could, uh, change your point of view and maybe break out of. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, so that's the other part of it that I started thinking about. But I mean, I kind of brought this up with Carol yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, and the puppeteer and, uh, and and I said, do you you know, do you feel like you've done your best work or or that your best work is behind you in some way? And she's, you know, my age, so she's not, you know, old in the grand scheme of things. In fact, if anything, she's probably beginning the prime of her career. You know, she has mm-hmm. enough experience to do anything she wants, but now she's starting to have freedom to really make stuff that she wants. Right. And right. and she said, No, she said, you know, there was a guy who was one of her mentors whose name I can't remember now. 
who is like this hardcore old school puppetry guy. And he says, you know, people, she was quoting him. She said, he used to say, people say to me, you know, you're a master puppeteer. You're this. He's just like, I'm none of those things. He's like, I'm Hmm. just, I'm just a student. I'm just picking new stuff up all the time, you know? And, 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 but isn't and, that isn't that a great way to look at it? it I'm always is. picking things up. I'm it, always learning to the to the point where he said, "I you know I feel weird when people call me." He's like, "Maybe I am one of the top fifty guys in the industry, or whatever it is." Like, I I don't know. I guess if if other people think that I am, but I don't see myself there. You know, and mm-hmm. and and I was talking to somebody else about something, and I and I kind of made a comment like, you know, maybe I would think differently if I was in a different stage of my career, if my career was different or whatever it is. And, and, and they said, that's, that's always true, right? You, you're always, you're always going to think your career is not where you want it to be. No one ever thinks, Oh, my career is exactly where I want it to be. You know, right. like no one ever says that, right. You're always just where you are today. So mm-hmm. there, there's a certain amount of, you're never going to be satisfied because there is no, there is no getting there. You know, there is no destination in life. There's, there's just the trip. So we convince ourselves sometimes that there is, if I just had this, if I just could get this. And, and, and the thing is, is that when people do, uh, when people do are like, let's say, let's say you end up becoming, I don't know, a doctor with a medical practice or, or, you know, a high, high end lawyer and you make partner, right. And you're kind of like doing your thing and you're making tons of money. Those are the people who at age 50 are sitting there going, all right, I have lots of money and I'm really successful, but I'm kind of bored. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Some like, of them. Sure. So, some of you them. Know, that, that ends up, that's just as much of a problem for people who are successful as it is for people who are unsuccessful. Like mm-hmm. the dissatisfaction of whatever it is that they're doing. Because ultimately, you know, figure if, if tomorrow I started getting called every day to take corner portraits for $5,000 a piece. You know what I mean? And like made tons of money doing that. But all I could do was that, that yeah. would drive me crazy. A, a month from now, you're going to be like, what am I doing? Yeah. I'd be like, okay, I've, yeah. you know, got 150 grand, but I'm miserable. Right. Um, right. So, so it's like, it's the doing the new things and, 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 and it's, you know, we, we, we talk about the struggle and all the rest of it all the time, but, you know, putting the struggle aside, but just the idea of, of change is, is what makes things interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was the same all the time, that who, who the hell wants it to be the same all the time, as much as people act like they want it to be the same all the time or politicians, you know, want to go back to the good old days and all this kind of stuff. It's like, just, you know, changes that constant. It's like, you just, you have to embrace it because, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm trying to say, but there is this idea that I think that I, as a person am always thinking that the best thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do today or tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was yesterday. You know, I, you know, I, I typically don't. And, and in sketching out this, this, this new stuff, and even in, in, in photographing, I've been photographing probably the last seven months you know, actually a year maybe, uh, but certainly since I got to DC, I've been photographing more than I have in a long time and well, getting more. It's not just desert. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's not just strip malls and parking lots. Uh, it, it's, I've been enjoying that process a lot more, you know, to the, to the point where, where I want to embrace that a little more. I don't know what it looks like yet, 
Um, But I am enjoying that. And that is informing, you know, it's all connected. Whatever you do, it's all connected. So the, the, the photographing more is, is inspiring other areas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I I think that people need to, and myself and you included, uh, need to stop, uh, I don't know, meta-analyzing, you know? Well, yeah, I think that Dan Winters said something really (laughs) profound and and sort of beautiful. Imagine that. that. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And it was off off the cuff. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but he said that the, the doing, the doing is the thing. The doing is the evidence of the passion. Passion by itself for whatever it is you have passion for is, is useless without the doing. The doing is the evidence of the passion. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think speaking for myself, I, I, I romanticize a lot of the creative process so much that, that, I get stuck in these little sort of mini semi-infinite loops of, of thinking about it and being passionate about it. And, and, and then I'll catch myself and go, okay, dumbass, now get out and do it. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like being in love with somebody, never telling them or making any acts, just sitting there going, I love them so much. I love them so much. I love them so much. Right. 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 It's like, okay, well, why don't you go tell them that or give them a hug or take them out to lunch if you love them so much. Yeah. Yeah. Because (laughs) passion in a vacuum is is nothing it's entropy right yeah it's just, yeah, yeah 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 so uh wow, look at that busting out entropy on the show because it's <laughs> photography <laughs> oh that makes perfect sense <laughs> uh, i used to you know i had a physics teacher who used to say uh nothing sucks everything blows <clears throat> nice ah uh, physics uh, <laughs> Speaking of physics, if you want to build a website, what? Yeah, you see what I did there? Uh, uh, you, you know, I hey, have to. Hey, Dean, Dean Kamen called. He wants his segue back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Wait, was the segue called the thing originally or something? Wasn't there like the? It the, had some kooky name that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, like the 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 test the product name. Anyway. Uh, This episode of On Taking Pictures is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to build a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. Because if it's worth the effort, Jeffrey, it's worth sharing with the world. Isn't that what got us in this mess? Come on now. (laughs) Hey, can I I put in a a website anecdote here? Insert anecdote here. Sure. Uh, Uh, So, uh, uh, what is it? Less than anecdote, greater than. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my one of my uh, old sites got hacked the other day, and I only noticed because I went to it and it wasn't live. And um, I went on and got in through FTP or well, well, through a web version of FTP because I don't have an FTP client installed anymore. <laughs> what a shock! It went the way of your Telnet client, right? Seriously, <laughs> the fact that we we're still using FTP anyway. This is all to say, uh, and it turned out somebody somehow got in and there were all kinds of crazy login.php things all over the directory tree. 
Like wow. People put in a bunch of nasty crap. And so the host just pulled it down. And now I got to go to like 16 rounds with the host to get the damn thing back up and working. Maybe this it was is all the to FBI say, practicing up for the iPhone. I know. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and Conrad was here and I was just like, you know, this happened. I go, this is why I'm glad I just use Squarespace because it's like I don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, you should go uh, grab Squarespace because it's fantastic. The sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. No coding required, although you could go in and use their developer tools, which I've always been tempted to go play with. But I feel like, you know, if I do, I'm just going to get sucked in again. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. The land of code, it, it, it is not easy to get paroled from the land of code. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they have intuitive and easy to use tools that like anybody in your life can use. So you could set up something for somebody and let them administer it themselves. So you don't have to deal with it. And you get a free domain for a year if you sign up, uh, which is fantastic. So, you know, you go sign up for a year and they pay for your, the $20 for your domain. So go start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, use the offer code OTP to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for on taking pictures. So thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting hey, 5x5 and us. Look at Yay. that. Hey, build it beautiful. Yeah, I like to build it beautiful. Although they, they keep changing it, right? They keep changing it. What's the new one? What's the one with Craig all over it? <laughs> with Craig all over it. Craig, Craig's like all over the subways here. It's really funny. I'm like, hey, that's like my one of my best friends right there. <laughs> Look at set him. your website apart. Oh, so you got to set your website apart. Okay. Well, excuse, right. well, excuse me. Yeah. See, I didn't know that I had to. It's all about all about being different. Yeah, they have a million paying customers. Do you know that? Uh that's that's a lot of customers. Yeah, that it actually is a lot of cu- that actually is a lot of customers. That's almost as many listeners as we have on Spotify. Yeah, I wonder if we can get our Spotify numbers in some way. I don't know. It's a big it, market, though. It's a uh, yeah, it is a big market. Spotify. We should uh, we should uh, tweet about the Spotify. We should we should go all prima donna like these Vine stars. They're like, hey, sucker. Okay, pay us. Here's the thing. <laughs> if I wouldn't, a Vine, know, a, if a I wouldn't Vine, know a Vine star if it hit me in the head. I wouldn't know Vine from the hammer that hit me in the head. I, <laughs> You know what? Here's the thing. And, and Merlin says this right. He goes, you know what? These things are not for you. The Vine thing. Yeah. Vine is not for you. Yeah. You know. I, I can say, I know, I know of Vine, but I have never seen a Vine. Right. And exactly. So are there ads before the little six second Vine videos? No idea. Yeah. See? I don't know. And when did Vine, what happened to YouTube? Did we miss it? Oh, YouTube is gone. And, is and YouTube and That's what's no the other one? The what's the one that disappears when stuff disappears? Snapchat. Snapchat. I'm going to make content that disappears in 24 hours. Yeah. Just going to burn it. Why? Because. Well, apparently <laughs> these people are, are becoming pseudo celebrities and now want to get a percentage of, I don't, uh, from Twitter. I don't know where they're going to get money from Twitter because Twitter <laughs> doesn't make any money. Yeah, exactly. And I, to my knowledge, Twitter hasn't made any money in the decade that it's been around. There is there is an interesting uh, thing on this where they there's a there's a line in here. It says, uh, let me get this right. Um, uh, basically, it says, uh, wait, where is it? It's, I know the word I'm looking for. Here we go. Uh, it says one Vine creator, quote, three and a half years is a long time to have us posting on your platform for free. OK, so. Where would you be a celebrity if it wasn't for them creating this platform? 
Right. How would you have like, landed that role on you, you think whatever. six million people would have, you know, called you up because you took good pictures on your phone five years ago? No. Yeah. You're only you're only popular because this platform exists for screaming teenage girls to like your hair. You know what I mean? Like wait, they, wait you can get that? Hold I'm on, on, I'm on, assuming that I'm gonna install it right now. Install I, I oh my god, I've made the mistake of <laughs> Of uh, alerting my wife to a game called 1010. 1010. Yeah. 1010. It's a game on iOS. Yeah. That's a little Tetris-like, and she's like a Tetris nut, Conrad. And I showed it to her, and now she spends hours playing 1010. Like, just sitting there playing 1010. I'm like, okay. I made him. I was trying to get. It was like I was giving methadone to the heroin addict, and now she's addicted to the methadone. Right. Did not work. Ten times. Okay. Anyway, so I'm so, looking at this fellow, Kurt, Curtis Lapore. Are you actually looking at his stuff? I'm looking at yeah. Uh, so from so the, what the link in the article, there are these goofy little ten second, fifteen second videos of him like, doing what? Well, exactly? this one is like him goofing off with his friends. Uh, here's one of him watching penguins on television. He's sitting on the couch watching penguins. Uh, first of all, I don't understand. I, I don't get it. I mean, what, if you were making what don't little, you get? I, I'm just trying to figure it out. I, I don't get why they're famous in the first. What are we watching? Well, I'm just. Here's the thing. You are definitely sounding like my grandfather talking to me about the music I listened to in high school, right? Yeah, but I, you know, I, I again, I'm, this is I not think for I'm you. I think I'm pretty media savvy. Yeah, but this is not for you. This is for kids, right? They want something that you're not going to understand because that's the way they create their own culture. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I am now watching the thing of him watching penguins. I guess I guess I'm I keep wondering where where the value is built? Yeah, well, where's the craft? Where's the They all feel like 15-second episodes of Jackass. Well, they are 15-second episodes of Jackass. Yeah, yeah. Here I am making toast and failing at it, and this is this has 217,000 views. 56,900 retweet things. And 7,196 comments. Yeah, I mean... For it's, him failing to make toast. It, it feels like... <laughs> the, the end of civilization. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it feels like sort of bad high school yeah. sketch comedy. That's exactly what it is, except it has a huge audience of high school kids all over the world. And, you know, there was, a, there was an article the other day about how scientists have, have proven that songs with single name titles like Hello and whatever do better because of the simple titles. And I'm like... Okay, even if you go down to one word titles, how did we get from satisfaction to hello? <laughs> like in 50 years, that's where right. we've gone. Um, you you know, know, I, I hey, don't understand the ad model either. It, the ad model on... Are it's there all about, ads on the, on the app? Maybe. But in terms of, let's say, use YouTube for, an, for example. Their, their ad model is based on eyes. So they're showing product that is probably irrelevant to the bulk of their audience but as long as they get eyes on it they can charge the advertiser for the impression 
Yeah. I mean, in some ways, I, I okay, you, you and I have talked about like the people who have a billion followers on one of these things and then get right. hired by they're, brands they're, to like drink their juice or whatever. Right. I, that almost makes more sense to me than just, oh, I'm going to make money for making six second goofy things on the Internet. Mm hmm. That doesn't seem to like make any sense to me, but that, I mean, again, that's why I don't make right. any sense. You know, this isn't the audience. Well, and I've, you know, after we talked about, uh, PewDiePie, mm -hmm. I went and watched a few of, of his things just to, at, and how was just it? you at random. It's dumb. I don't, I, you know, you're watching this guy <laughs> play video games and making play jokes. video games. Yeah. And do bad impressions. And there's a market for that. Okay. Yeah. But I keep I keep questioning where's the There's yeah. a market but there's no value. Not for me. For yeah. some people and and is it is it is it simply capitalizing on the boredom of contemporary youth? Well, I'll tell you. I I had a um I was hanging out with that guitarist a few weeks ago and I was asking her cuz the kind of music that she makes is not the kind of music that's madly popular right now. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it is within certain circles, but like, you know, um, very, very, uh, uh, well, well healed musicians who know how to play and sing and play songs that are more complex than three chords is not the de rigueur right now. Right. Um, and, and I said, you know, is that, does that bother you? She goes, nah, she's just like, look, you know, the voice and whatever it is and all these shows, he's just like, she's like, they're like junk food. Of course, people are going to buy lots of Fritos and Coca-Cola, you know, she's just like, it's, it's all right. I, she's like, I don't take offense to that, but it's a very different thing than what I'm doing. And I was like, that's such a responsible, like mature way of looking at, looking at the world where if I were you, I'd just be frustrated the whole time, you know? Right. But she right. apparently is, is, is not. And I think, I think that that's something that is, I don't know. I'm proud of her. Well, I, I think it's fantastic that, that these platforms exist. I really do. Yeah. I think it's fantastic that the hardware and the software have, have been created in such a way that they are enabling people to create content. They are enabling people to write songs, create films, create yes. some sort of interesting product. But the flip I, side I, is, is that when the Royal Navy asks for the internet to decide on the new name of their new ship, <laughs> right. it what, becomes Bodie McBoatface, right? <laughs> so the, 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 the consensus of the internet is not necessarily the most intelligent, you know, cream right. does not rise to the top on social media. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things rise to the top. Bodie McBoatface is... <laughs> Bodie McBoatface. It's so wrong and so right at the same time. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I'll put the link in the show notes to this Vanity Fair article. I, I just I would like to see how much these people actually end up getting paid and right. and who they're getting paid by and how long they get paid before the whole thing well, just it, sort it, of falls it, apart. We we are in a fascinating time of of the valuation of content. Yes. We are, we are in a, and, and, and this kind of leads into this next, this next piece. In many ways, it's value less unless you, it, it's so low value that it needs to be spread to millions of people before it has any value at all. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, like so, everything else in the world, it's been a commodity, become a commodity. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it exactly has. And, and the, the value in it is so subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this story in The Guardian, uh, son of the late Sex Pistols manager Malcolm McLaren. Yeah. Is planning to burn his collection of original punk memorabilia, which is estimated to be worth about five million pounds. Now, isn't that in many ways the most punk thing he could possibly do with it? <laughs> but is it? I, 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 or, or, hmm. or saying that this punk merchandise has no value, is that completely mainstream? Is is it is it the is it the action of uh, no? I think the mainstream... a spoiled rich kid who doesn't value it because he doesn't have to. I mean, I guess you could see it that way. I see it more as a statement of is is having a sweaty, gross, smelly shirt that Sid Vicious wore on stage in 1978, and now in a lucite box selling for a million dollars. Is that really what Sid Vicious was going for? Right, or is that the right. antithesis of what Sid Vicious was going for? And my guess is it's the antithesis. Yeah. Um, however, to back up for one second, you know, last summer, I remember we talked about how I went to the Pollock Museum out on Long, mm-hmm. out on Long Island, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And how you get to put on these little booties and walk out on his floor that he worked on. And it's pretty cool. It's like kind of like it's neat being in the place where the thing happened. Now, there is certainly a case to be made. It's like, who gives a crap where he did it? His paintings are his paintings. To sit there and turn into some sort of mecca, right. a, 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 just a location that he happened to work, is, is almost devaluing the work itself and making it about the circumstances of the work. Sure. In the same and- way that, you know, this guy, you know, some guy's shirt from a concert, is, does that really have anything to do with punk? Well, and I, I get I get what he's saying, and and I don't I don't really have an opinion on it one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but I get his statement, John. Is, you think it's C O R R E, but there's an accent over the E. Corey? So would, would it be Corey or Corey? Uh, or Cor? I don't know. He thinks he's cool, so whatever. Anyway, uh, he he's he, he's quoted as saying, "The Queen giving 2016 the year of punk her official blessing is the most frightening thing I've ever heard. Talk about alternative and punk culture being appropriated by the mainstream." Rather than a movement for change, punk has become like a effing museum piece or tribute act. It's true. I mean, in the same way that rock and roll was co-opted by brands, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this is I, what I what I think is is kind so of is, is it is it is it a, a valid choice then, Bill, to, <laughs> for him to basically say, you know what, this doesn't exist anymore. This spirit doesn't exist anymore. No punk for you. And just I, burn it all. I think the really punk thing would be to uh, to burn it without saying anything. <laughs> if you're going to burn it, just burn it in your backyard. Right. Like making a big stink about it and being all over the news months before he actually burns it to make a point about him burning it. Like that's Does not that punk. feel like a little self-serving. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's like the uh, when people used to say that what was the Green Day song? The 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 life song, the you know, the cute little ballady one. Oh, uh, the the hope you have the time of your life. Time yeah, yeah, life. right. Yeah, that. And so people are just like, "This not punk," and he's just like, "Are you kidding me?" He's just like, "Me writing an acoustic ballad on my new record is about as punk as I could get because I don't give a crap what you think." And that's the yeah. whole point of punk, you know. And I always kind of liked that answer. Um, so in some ways, it, uh, is it sad? It's sad to see history go if you're a history buff because these are historical objects. I mean, you, but if you really dig deep down to it, what the hell does that even mean? A historical object, you know, does that have any actual meaning? You know, 
how how say? is how is this? And I'm just uh, hmm, gonna gonna throw. How is this different than ISIS destroying sites in Syria? Okay, uh, or him taking the original master tapes and throwing them on a fire. Right. Um, is is it? Is I it think still... because this stuff is peripheral meta crap. This is okay. this is these are the icons of the religion versus the the holy book. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where the things that ISIS was blowing up were actual pieces of like Assyrian art that had been there for 5,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. years yeah. versus, you know, if, if if they had gone and said, you know, we're just going to destroy all the people who have written articles about the Assyrian art. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's stupid, but like, at least you're not destroying the art. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I, well, I'm just posing the question. I don't, I don't think that they are on the same playing field, you know, uh, uh, you know, leveling the Vatican versus destroying a single statue. Very different. Right. Yeah. 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 I just, I just look at this kind of stuff and I, and I go, the people who fetishize punk stuff are probably not punks themselves. These are people who are fetishizing what they thought punk life was, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, former photographer of the week, uh, William Coupon has a bunch of punk stuff that he's like, you know, that he shot a bunch of and like he might make a book of and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, who's that going to sell to? It's not going to sell. It may sell to former punks, but it's not going to be the former punks who made the system. It's going to be the people who hung out and maybe went to CBGB's once and think that they were punk because they put a clothespin, you know, a, 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 a safety pin in their ear and had their hair up right. with eggs one night when they got out from their parents because their parents were which, on vacation. Which was then a look that was then later, you know, you found out it was co-opted by Forever 21 or something. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it's, so it's sort of this, uh, you, you get, you get, people get stuck. All Everything is cyclical. Everything mm-hmm. is going to get co-opted. You know what's going to get co-opted? 20 years from now, there's going to be TV shows about Vine celebrities <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and of they're course. only going to be 15 seconds long <laughs> <laughs> but um psh, right and, and of course that's going to happen and if right. any of the kids out there who may or may not listen to this show think that you know snapchat's not going to be a joke on a sitcom right. in five years because there's going to be, new be. Th- right yeah exactly yeah. it's like so the idea the funny thing that the make thing that makes me laugh at this is the thing that the fact that punk people think that punk is different than any other thing that has ever come around right you know it, it was the only true rebellion against the establishment you know whatever yeah Wait, did sure you just mouth, did you just mouth fart yes i did <laughs> you know hey look my wife has a picture of joe strummer on the wall so like what do i know right but, but like i you know it's, to me it's like a whole bunch of bottled up teen angst the punk stuff i don't it doesn't do anything for me it never has but like hmm. what do i know so sure joe burn it all <laughs> You know, now, could he sell it and then go give the stuff to people who need food? To eat? Yes, of course. But you know what? That's always the thing. Right. Could the guy, instead of buying the $200 million Picasso, go just give that money to people to eat. Of course he can. Well, hey, the Vatican could sell a thing or two. Come to that. Yeah. the Yeah. the Sell a thing or two. What do you think their bank accounts look like? You know, <laughs> you know, you know why uh, Bloomberg, uh, you know, the the old uh, mayor of New York and, you know, the head of Bloomberg, whatever. The reason that became a big thing is that their second client was the Vatican to keep mm. track of their investments. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not crying for the Vatican, but uh, uh, yeah, anyway, it's an interesting thing. We'll put a link in the show notes. 
Um, what else we got here? Uh, oh, so how are we I, doing on time? Uh, we're fine. We're um, let's see. We're about an hour, so we have we're fine. Okay, good. Uh, so I was doing some research on the photographer of the week later, and I came upon this this uh, link. It was it's called Ode to the Lowly Sprocket Hole. And I thought you'd get a little bit of a kick out of this. Yes. Uh, and it was talking about how. Or should I have said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, darling. <laughs> was, oh, that's from. Uh, Sprockets. The, no, what's the, what's, the, what's the Christmas movie? Uh, the one, the annoying one with 27 different stories. The annoying Love Actually. Christmas. Oh. That is, you take that back. I love, I love it, but it is. That is not an annoying, that is a Christmas classic. Yes, but you know what? Some of them, some of the subplots are actually really creepy when you, when you watch them a little too much. Just saying. Anyway, there's the scene where him, where the, where the waiter guy and his black best friend are in the van. And he's just like, no, you're not going to America. And he's like, yeah, 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 darling. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) so sprocket holes. So. Uh, you know, there, there are holes in the sides of film for people who don't know that. And they, they pull the film through the, through the, uh, 35 millimeter film through the camera, the sprocket holes. And there are, there was like a movement for a while of, of actually, uh, keeping the sprockets in the pictures, you know, or when you see contact sheets laid out, you'll see the sprocket holes and there's whole, um, there's, this is a whole article and it's actually pretty interesting with a lot of good examples of people who use the sprocket holes as elements in their compositions and how the look is, is it still an Instagram thing or one of those things you can still put sprocket hole borders on stuff. Is that still an Instagram? Uh, I don't think it's an, it might be a hipstamatic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be hipstamatic. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Let's, let's see, but keep going. I don't, I don't believe we mean keep going. You were talking. I I know I was going to talk and I was going to go try this thing. Should I fill? I'm filling. I'm filling. <laughs> and so, look the sprocket holes. So, so it's it's this it's this really interesting thing that the you know these people do this kind of stuff. And uh, there's a lot of ex- examples in here of where people expose the entire frame because most of the time the frame gets exposed sort of between the sprocket holes, like you know in right. between the two rows of sprocket holes, where certain cameras and stuff will actually expose the entire strip of film so that the sprocket holes kind of are cutting through the picture. Which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Uh, an example on here is a guy who shot, I don't know, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, like uh, 400 frames or something, all crazy kooky stuff as sort of contact sheet that ends up making a single picture of the Capitol. And you wanted me to right. bring that up for some reason. What, well, what were you uh, yeah, I, I worked, I used to work at a post-production facility in uh, in LA and there was a guy there that shot a commercial for Nike uh, he was a, a, a terrific director, terrific DP. Um, Sean, God, what was Sean's last name? I don't remember now. Anyway, they built a rig, uh, and this was this was pre digital, mind you, uh, that shot that had multiple cameras on it using multiple different focal length lenses. And they did this Nike ad like hiking through a canyon or or biking down a trail or, you know, various little vignettes and and had all of these different sort of viewpoints 
for lack of a better word, yeah. as as the as the finished frame. And it reminded me this 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 capital shot reminded me of of some of the test footage that I saw when they were putting this thing together. Oh, that's pretty so, cool. You know, imagine this kind of look and feel, but in motion as you're as you're, you know, running on a hiking trail and you've got all these different sort of slightly different focal lengths, slightly different angles of view all sort of matted together as one composite scene. It was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting that when you take them out, if you scroll down a little bit, there's that Yes album cover, which has the sprocket holes on it, which is sort of an element of the design. Right, it's like if you right. take the sprocket holes out, it's a crappy picture of them, you know, lit by a single light bulb in the corner. But somehow it gets cooler with the sprocket holes in there. It's, it's one of those things, it's kind of like cheese to me where, you know, Cheese was a way to store dairy so it wouldn't go bad during winter, mm-hmm. you know, and then suddenly it gets turned into cheese, 27 different kinds of cheese and artisanal this, that and the other thing. It's been aged for 18 months or whatever, um, where where sprocket holes were a requirement of just the thing working have then been co-opted as something that not only used artistically, but then gets used nostalgically as, right. as sort of right. an element of like the old time. Oh, remember sprocket holes, you know? Uh, I don't know. It's just it's interesting. I, sometimes I think about that, even like um, like having the uh, the the like dirty edges on on right. prints, sloppy black borders. Exactly. Yeah, having yep. sloppy borders. Yep. Uh, is is Which, like that? To, that's kind of fun because you actually have to sort of file out the negative carrier. Yes, to to right? get because normally it tries to it crops a lot of those carriers, especially with scanners and stuff, will actually crop. Yeah, in a little bit, and you'll lose crop a little to bit. the frame. Yeah. So what you would what you would do is is you would get a flat file or a round file, and you would file out the metal negative carrier that you'd actually put in the enlarger. You'd file that out, and it would allow this sort of bleed, yeah, uh, out from the edge of the frame. Yeah. There's some kid in Ohio right now f- searching through drawers in in, <laughs> in the basement <laughs> looking for a flat file to do exactly that because you right. told him that. Right. Uh, it's like, it's like, one yeah, of the plug-in man. suites does it. And I can't remember. It might be on one perfect photo might be on one. What do, adds this will add sprockets and stuff. Yeah. It's got a whole, a whole, uh, sort module, of borders thing, uh, on one software. I think it's on one. <laughs> I, yeah. I find that kind of stuff really, really interesting. Anyway, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting article with a lot of good examples. So, yeah. uh, on one effects 10 is the, uh, the problem I have with that is, is that you're adding, if you use that multiple places, like the ones that have uh, the actual, you know how a lot of films have like the name of the film along mm-hmm. the edge, you know, it's mm-hmm. like Kodak T-Max or whatever, uh, that that if you use that on real film, it's different on each one, where a lot of times when you use it just as this element, you're sticking on top of something, it's the same one all the time. You know, it's like, you know, oh, yeah, 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 you know yeah. that it's the hipstamatic Fujifilm one because it says Fujifilm in the exact same place at the same you know, right. Um, same exposure number, same, yeah, exactly. same cutouts. Yeah, that, I yeah. remember years ago when I was shooting a lot of 55, some guy said, you know, Oh, how are you doing that? And I said, I'm taking pictures <laughs> with Polaroid 55. And he's like, Oh, I, I, bet, I bet you said it just like that too. Yeah. I, in email. I, I actually, <laughs> I added tone markings at the beginning and the end. You just did it phonetically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the the guy asked me, you ready for this? The guy asked me if I could send him a blank frame of just the edges so that he oh, could just, use just to, to add it digitally. And I was like, no. I was like, I'm sure you could find one on the internet somewhere or buy it off of Shutterstock. 
I am not giving you, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not perpetuating that terrible, terrible thing. Like if you're shooting film and you have sloppy edges and you have sprockets or whatever it is, more power to you. If you're making your digital picture look like that for anything other than trying to recreate it as a actual special effect, because you need to like, you know, like I did those, those things for my friend who was pitching the TV series where I had to look like old wet plate. Well, you know, I'm not going to shoot wet plate. But I'm going to do that for that because it's supposed to be an oldie timey thing, you know, mm-hmm, but the people mm-hmm. who are just adding that stuff for fun. Come on. So either shoot the old thing or do the new thing. I, I don't try to make the new I thing look like the old thing. I them because I add vignettes. I know. I I'm, add I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to me. I know. <laughs> I'm going through my library right now. Delete. Delete, I've turned delete. around and I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> In fact, the picture of you I'm looking at right now is fake wet plate. Yes, done with hipstamatic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool effect. And I, I'll, the defense rests. <laughs> Thank you, Your Honor. Um, That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, my cousin sent this over, which was uh, an article in the Wall Street Journal. Apparently, about 80 years ago, Bernie Abbott went out and shot a bunch of New York for a project called Changing New York. Hmm. Uh, and they're, they're all these like really beautiful shots. And yep. it's one of those things where somebody went out and reshot the same thing today, yep. Yep. except they did a really good job at like getting the same shot and lining it up and such. Yeah. Matching camera angles. Yeah. It's like exactly yeah. right. And so there are these sort of slide across things. And it's, it's amazing in New York how many buildings are still there from 80 years ago and how many aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, I find it really fascinating the stuff that has has survived. And if you're a nut about what old cities look like versus new cities. You should go take a look because it's really fascinating. One of the things that I did notice that's that's in a lot of them or not in a lot of them is that old pictures don't have streetlights. And streetlights are one of those things that kind of not muck up the frame, but they complicate composition, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and the new ones have them and the old ones didn't. And it's amazing. It's like, oh, that's one of the things that makes something feel old. Right. Is not having these new street light, you know, poles all over the place, hanging over the street and cables hanging over the street and, and all that kind of stuff, you know? Right. Right. Um, anyway, just thought uh, people who were into that kind of thing stuff would find it interesting. I think if you scroll down about two thirds of the way, there's one where it says Oak and New Chamber Street. And yep. they, they look at this. Look at this crazy square that they destroyed to create like low income housing uh, project. Mm. Look at crazy, like yeah, the intersection of all the streets and stuff. It's good stuff. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, one of the things that I did, speaking of streetlights, that I loved about New Orleans were the gas lamps that are all over the city. They oh, just yeah, got yeah. That, that, that terrific flicker, that there warm are flicker. It's great. A number of blocks around me, like a block up the street, is all gas lamps out in front of the houses. Hmm. Um, old school, you know, 1880s brownstones with gas lamps that are still working, which is amazing. That's kind of cool. What do you think about Bill Brandt's camera, the one that he used on all those wide-angle shots? I think it's neat. Listener sent I, this in. Let me. Let, yeah, you, you I keep I, going. I mean, I'll find the listener. Bill Brandt. For those of you who have not seen Brandt's work, much of his work uh, is very accentuated or forced perspective. Yeah. Uh, even even kind of his nudes uh, are are very forced uh, perspective, and and I think by and large they they work partially because. To my knowledge, we didn't see much of it. He that that stood out 
quite a bit more than than it would say now where people are using really wide lenses that's pretty commonplace yeah but it seems like when when brant was doing it the way he was doing it uh was was a very different sort of visual aesthetic is that fair Yeah. yeah 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 and it turns out that nick rogovis sent this in by the way okay uh it turns out that he got that look by shooting with a, a, a sort of a vintage camera, it was a it's a f forty five like all the way stop down lens. Uh, uh, that, oh, I'm sorry, it was f eighteen Protar eighty five millimeter focal length, which one hundred and ten degree field of view. Wow. Yeah, he would stop down to f forty five. This is on an eight by ten, so uh, a, a eighty five millimeter on an eight by ten is a very wide angle. It's the equivalent of a fifteen millimeter lens on your thirty five millimeter camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was designed for, uh, a policeman to take pictures of crime scenes. You see those old mm-hmm. pictures mm-hmm. where you can actually see the tripod legs in the yep. shot. In yep. fact, I mimicked one for one of my drabbles. Yeah, you um, did. Uh, I remember that shot. It's you, isn't it? Uh, it's actually not me. It's actually my friend, Greg Palmer on the ground. I thought it was you. No, sadly. You just mm. apparently like to fantasize about me being dead on the ground I, with blood I, spilling I out of my head. I always see that as you. <laughs> and uh so basically he t- he took what was a technical camera for uh for these for these policemen mm-hmm. and turned it into an artistic thing which is actually a really neat way of doing it you yeah know? it's cool it's like uh i could imagine the same thing would be somebody getting an ir digital camera with the ir filter removed you know like right, an astro right. camera and right. using it for portraits or something like that you know that's it's that kind of stuff uh anyway very uh, cool little article on this camera I think what? Vincent Versace, I think it was him. Vincent Versace had, you, you can have your uh, s- certain cameras modified to use just the IR portion of a sensor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And yep. I think he did that on his D3 and yeah. and was taking not portraits to my knowledge, but maybe portraits. Well, landscapes, you get the crazy white right. greens and stuff. Right, right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty hey, cool. So I, I meant to tell you, sorry about this. I, I wanted to bring oh, this boy. up earlier. This gallery that I, well, seeing, seeing Brant's work made me oh, think okay. of it. Yeah. This gallery in New Orleans called A Gallery. Original uh, name. Well, it was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, A Gallery. Uh, it, it has an incredible collection of photography. I posted a couple pictures an entire wall of Salgado prints, uh, Helmut Newton prints, Ache prints, Brassai. How much are they prints. asking for them? Oh, Bill, Jesus! Some of this stuff was one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was not inexpensive, but beautifully printed work. Steichen. Um, uh, oh gosh, who who was? Now I'm going to totally space on his name that did uh, all the pictures in like the, the, in the American West during the civil war. Uh, Gardner or, no. or Brady. No, wasn't Gardner. Wasn't Brady. God, no, I can't. After remember. the civil war or before, during the civil war. Like uh, the, the, like of the Indians and native. Oh, Americans. oh uh, yeah. The guy who people think he was f- like lying or, or made them look bad. Oh, what the hell is the guy's name? Yeah, go ahead. I'll find Oldie it. timey, like yep, 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 eight, yep. eight by 10 stuff. Uh, anyway, an incredible collection of work. And and uh, that it just made me think of it seeing Brant's work. Curtis? Curtis. William Ed, Curtis. Ed, Edward Curtis. Edward Curtis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that guy. Curtis. Uh, sure. Probably a dozen of his pictures. 
Um, couple O Winston Link pictures. Who I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. Anyway, it's good. Uh, some, and- some Brisson. Cartier Brisson. Yeah. Oh, and they had they had side by side pictures by Jerry Ulsman and Maggie Taylor. Oh, really? Yeah, it was so cool. I would. Do they sell them together as one? Uh, no, they sold them individually. Okay. And they had uh, uh, a couple of Maggie's books, uh, signed copies of her books. Uh, really terrific place. A gallery. A gallery. So if you're ever in New Orleans, go check out A gallery. Yeah. And buy something so you're not just like, you know, <laughs> being a free museum for Jeffrey. <laughs> better yet, <laughs> buy Jeffrey something. Yeah, even better. <laughs> um, so one last thing before we get to our assignment of the weeks. Uh, I'm so glad you put this in here. I was going to put it in here because I oh, saw it you yesterday. saw this? Yeah, I love this. Apparently there's a there's a library section at Harvard where... They they hold example exemplars of old pigments, like rare, uh, like like super rare old pigments. Yeah, the kind of like, stuff they don't make anymore. Uh, like a kind true of, yellow ochre and, and iron yes. oxide. And my oh. personal favorite, mummy brown, because yes. people would harvest mummies from Egypt, Jeffrey, and extract the brown resin material that was in the wrappings around the bodies and turn it into a pigment. Love it. Yeah, very popular in the eighteenth and nineteenth century. Could you imagine? You, I mean, look nowadays at, look, you look, have look at the so label good. on it: bituminous pigment from mummies embalmed with asphaltum. Yes, I yeah. love that. Doesn't it kind of? I mean, look how good you have it. The fact that you could go to an art supply store, like hop in your car, go to an art supply store, and buy any color you want. Yeah, yeah. Not have to deal with toxic cadmium. I could just order it. Yeah. Imagine it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's just really interesting. Some of the some of where these things come from. Of course, there's the the red dyes from squash beetles that they use in cosmetics and food and stuff, and uh, emerald green, which is a which is a a, a a rock you know that they grind down, which is the hey, same. What? Remember when we were in the in the 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 what was the museum that you and I went to together? The we've been to a number of museums together. Uh, the, the little about? one with the, with the tree in in D.C. across from the the White House. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, shoot. What the God, what's the name of it? The new I'm one totally that opened s- up. Yeah, I'm completely spacing on Keep the name. Keep going. Of it. I'll find it. Anyway, the, the, remember the bug room in there? Oh, the bugs were creepy. The, the, the red on the wall was, was that color. Pi- yeah, it was pigment from, from the beetles. See, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, the, the place you're thinking of is called, and I'm looking at the thing here. It's what not the, the Hirshhorn. It? It's the. The, oh my God, what I'm looking at, uh, oh, right. I'm sorry. Here we go. The Renwick. The Renwick. Oh yeah. The Renwick. Great gallery. Uh, so yes, absolutely. Anyway, the pigments are crazy. Uh, do you ever use any like really weird pigments or did you always use sort of man-made? I've never made my own. Uh, I, I had an instructor in school who, who ground her own pigments. Some, um, oil paints are still quite expensive. Mm-hmm. For like Lots the, of for the, yeah, is, is like even the cadmium whites and reds the and yellows. Yeah. Cad yellow, cad red. Those are expensive. Um, and they really and do have a, a luster that the other stuff does, like the yeah. fake stuff doesn't have. Yeah. They're in series, like series one, series two, series three. And, and that's how they're priced is, is typically. Is that how much you know, pigments in them? Like how uh, dense they are? The dense, the density of the chroma and, and the value of the chroma, the value of the, of the, of the actual color. 
So you can get a red that's a cheaper red. It's just that if you want the high-end red, you got to go over to Series 1, and those cost $20 for a little tube or whatever. Yes. Yep. Got it. So, which is why when you're painting a 30 by 40 inch painting, that's tough to do. Uh, it can or get it can cost a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably why people like Pollock started using crappy household enamels and stuff, which now all the museums that own the paintings are like, Pollock. <laughs> yeah. Damn you. Because they're like falling apart and eating through the, you know. Anyway, interesting stuff. Here, I'm looking. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm going to do a real time little little thing here of how much go... cadmium red costs yep so here let's Wait, just what's your go... guess before you look it up cad red probably i don't know 20 or 30 bucks a tube yeah 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 and we're talking oil yeah the yeah. little uh little tiny tube a 37 milliliter 22 bucks yeah whereas just bright red not cadmium red just bright red is seven dollars but there's a difference right yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird. You, it, it, we're so spoiled. You know, there was a scene, I, I was watching Daredevil yesterday, and... Uh, uh, season two? Up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's a scene where one of the people is in a, a newspaper thing, and they're like, oh, we got to look through all these old newspapers to, like, find articles about this stuff. And I'm Excuse like, me. are you kidding me? Like... How good we have it nowadays. Like, I remember looking through microfilm and microfiche and having oh, to yeah. look stuff up in a card catalog and go get the one thing the out of the basement. Microfiche says, yeah, yeah, when you were going across. Yep. And, and kids, I mean, it's this is like a kids nowadays thing. It's just like the amount of information at your fingertips now is unbelievable. Even, even a newspaper, even in uh, when I was watching, um, what's the movie about the priests and the whole thing? Spotlight. Mm. there's this thing where they say hey can you get us all the clippings on this story and they mean go through our own archives and find the things that we've already written about this versus just going to a search box and typing in you know right right priest sex scandal and like getting tens of thousands of articles that have been written today about that you know just amazing it's amazing um ah the future (laughs) yeah uh, I, I still, I always love the, the William Gibson quote. This is the, the future's already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Yes, it's true though. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, so uphill, people did some good uphills. Yep. Uh, Patty Reynolds. I love that, that shot, that skewed the, perspective. The woman? Yep. Yeah. The old yep. woman's great. Yeah. 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 Yep. I like that a lot. Uh, Bobby Tingle's one where the guy, okay. These people who drive these little dune buggies, like down ravines and stuff like down South in Kentucky. It's kind of nuts, right? Yeah. These people are nuts. This is yeah. insane. This is not, this is not healthy stuff to be doing. And they just like roll down in these crazy roll cages that they've welded together. <laughs> nope. Mm, crazy people. Yeah. Bobby, if uh, you're doing that, uh, good on you. Yeah. Uh, really good stuff though. And, yeah, and a lot Lance's of his uh, pictures. Nice too. Look at that one. Yeah. I, I, a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with the assignment, just people sharing photographs. And I, I, I love it. Uh, you know, I meant to ask you. Yeah. I think we should do. Let's, let's, let's ask, let's ask for crit wall entries for next week. Can we okay. do that? Sure. Yep. Hey, if you've got something you want to, you want to talk about, uh, or you, you would like us to talk about, Either, either post it to the group, and, and if, you're not, uh, if you're not currently a member of the group or don't want to be a member of the group, just email it to us yeah. uh, at podcast at OnTakingPictures. I thought you were going to say, the hell with you. 
yeah, just email us podcast at ontakingpictures.com and just put crit wall in the subject or just explain it and and let's let's talk about some next week because there's so much fantastic work being put up. You know, the the picture that Rob Eves took of the the bride and groom, I'm assuming, walking up the steps. Walking up the stairs, yep. That's a beautiful picture. Nice light. That looks like a painting. Uh yeah, good ones. Uh so can we do this weird one? You yeah. Give it a shot. Okay. I, I, I like the challenge. I will, I will participate in this. Absolutely. Okay. So, I have an idea already. So th- I was doing some research on our photographer of the week, which I will get to shortly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, I, I noticed that she had a series of images that were themselves basically made up of a large, uh, a number of smaller images. So she would shoot an entire roll of film and then lay it out like a contact sheet. But the idea wasn't that it was just a contact sheet of individual images, but rather that the composition was the contact sheet of all of the images. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she called this the whole thing whole role, which I kind of like the idea of whole role. So, you know, W-H-O-L-E role. Um, and I, so I thought it would be interesting, even if you're shooting digital, to shoot and, you know, either pull up in Lightroom and take a screenshot of them laid out the way you want or whatnot. Or Can I just take a single Photoshop. picture of a hoagie? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Only if it's whole wheat. And, uh, it, and, 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 you know, basically create a composition with 24 different pictures. Yeah. Or I love the idea of working a subject like that and, and yeah. seeing, yeah, so seeing not, us working subjects. Exactly. So yeah. uh, the assignment is hashtag whole role. So uh, it could be 24. It could be 36. It could be 150 pictures if you really wanted to get crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea is thinking of the series of images as a single composition. So I'm just putting that out there. Uh, got anything else to say about that? No, I'm just, I'm thinking it through now. Uh, yeah, I like this one. Breaking the Whole law. World. Breaking the law. What? Never. You don't break the law? Nope. Really? Nope. Yeah, I don't either. I'm such a wuss. I never kidding? even thought about breaking the law. I don't want to go to, I, I've seen the Shawshank Redemption. I don't want to go to prison. <laughs> you get busy living or get busy dying. That's right. <laughs> when did you make your decision? Uh, about 20 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> Chose dying, huh? That's right. Uh, all right. Who's our photographer? Okay, photographer of the, week? of the week is Barbara Crane, who Barbara is Crane. one of those photographers who. I like this interview, by the way. I watched this Vimeo interview. And yeah, it's pretty great. She's very well spoken. Very. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and fascinating to listen to. Yeah. Uh, so Barbara Crane is an, uh, now an older woman. She's uh, born in uh, 1928. So she's been around a long time. She shot Polaroid. She shot gelatin silver. She does platinum prints. She's done color. She's done black and white. She's done what I kind of see as sort of Nan Golden before Nan Golden. She shot uh, obscure stuff like these whole roles that I was uh, alluding to uh, during the assignment. Um, she's had exhibitions at every museum and is owned by every museum you can think of. And I will admit, I had never heard of her. Uh, she had yeah, a, Guggen- she had a Guggenheim fellowship in 1979. Uh, she collaborated with the creative center, uh, center of creative photography in Tucson, uh, to do a career retrospective of her work. And, uh, she's a professor emeritus at, at the, uh, uh, school of art Institute in Chicago, as a, well, back in 95, I don't know if she's still doing that now or if she's retired, 
So the weird thing is, is she's one of those photographers who doesn't have a ton of, she doesn't have a website of her own that I could find. Mm-hmm. So it was really a matter of me looking through other people's collections of her work. And there's a Pinterest link in there, Jeffrey, that you'll see that has this whole series called private views, which was 80, 80 to 84. She shot it, uh, which are sort of these up close pictures of people on the street with like flash. And it's kind Almost of Bruce, like a Bruce Gilden type thing. It's little Bruce Gildeny, a little, you know, it's not as harsh though to me. No, you're right. And, and a little like Nan golden, like she's in their business. Um, mm-hmm. it, but, but oh, in a sweet. way that's a little more, uh, I don't know, respectful of the people that are around her. Um, so, uh, you know, she has a, she has a, the, one of her artist statements, she said, issues in my work are often of a similar nature with an abstract edge. Though I build on past experience, I attempt to eradicate previous habits of seeing and thinking. I keep searching for what is visually new to me while I was hoping that a fusion of form and content will take place. And there's interesting in that interview, she says, I, whenever I see somebody else has done something, I immediately don't want to do that. Hmm. Like she, she wants to find something somebody else hasn't done, you know, not to say everything she's ever done is like completely original, but like the idea of seeing something somebody else has done and kind of jumping on the bandwagon is just not right. what she's about. And, and I respect her for that, you know, in a, in a really interesting way. And she seems kind of badass. Um, I like this series from 1970 people of the North portal. Where it's, uh, it's, it's focusing on this same set of doors and just letting life happen and catching people exiting. Yeah. That's, that's really neat. She's, uh, she's pretty great. And, and their stuff is, well, not like all over the place. It is eclectic enough that she is trying a bunch of different stuff, you know, like she's, she's, She's like, if you look at that last image or the last link, the um, VSW.org link, right? Which I'll put in the show notes. Like, look at that first picture of the woman like crying behind the neon G. Like, that looks like, you know, almost like Winograndy kind of right, street photography right. kind of stuff. But then she's also taking pictures of flowers, you know, on, on Polaroid or doing these crazy whole roll series where she's finds little chunks of tar on the ground. She takes a whole you know, set of stuff on those. Like mm-hmm. she's trying different stuff and, and kind of coming at it in a way that <clears throat> in some ways the, the collection of, of photographs that she chose to take and the styles that she choose to take them is itself a fingerprint of what kind of photographer she is, as opposed to a single look or style being her fingerprint. And, you, and I like that. Miss... Idea. Hmm. I, I find <laughs> I myself missing photographers who produce specific bodies of work. And I find myself following more and more photographers who have defined series or defined bodies of work rather than here's my photography where, where, where they're exploring either a situation or a location or a point of view. You prefer that. I find it interesting because I, I, I think, yeah, yes, I do. At, at, at this point in my life, yes, I, I, I find that much more engaging or compelling to follow a point of view or to, to look at, uh, like these, these, these pictures, these private views series. I love this series. Yeah. I mean, the, the, each one of them are, are sort of a, a, a window, a little window into a larger world. And I don't know, I, there's something about seeing 
related bodies of work. I mean, even with you, my, you know, I've, I've said this several times. I, I like your, your Drabble's body of work, whether or not they are related narratively that I think either consciously or, or unconsciously, and I don't know, cause we haven't really talked about it, but right. maybe there, maybe there are technical underpinnings that tie them together rather than thematic underpinnings. Yeah, there are some thematic underpinnings and there are technical things. Yeah. I mean, they, those were all meant to be a, a single set. Mm-hmm. But and at the same that's time, that's what I find I'm drawn to now. Yeah, but at the same time, isn't there a certain place where you get to where you're like, okay, I understand that you can do that. You know, I I sometimes hit a wall with my own work or with some people whose work I really like, and I think, yeah, I know you can do that. What else can you do? Like, mm-hmm. I I want sometimes I wonder if it's that people get scared and get they don't want to try something new because they're scared to try something new rather than they really love taking this one thing. I I'm, I'm fine with somebody going in and doing a, what I like about her is that she'll do that project on the street and then she'll move on to something else. And you can look at that project on the street as a single, uh, as, as the work of a single photographer and almost look at something else as, as the work of a completely different photographer, but it's all her. Agreed. And that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I am, what I am drawn to at the moment is, is seeing, individual collections of images that are related somehow within a larger body of work rather than but do you need the larger body of work to be one thought no not at all okay okay no not at all All in fact i I would prefer that it's not i would prefer to see these little sort of explorations distractions diversions whatever they might be but see them almost fully formed is going to be the wrong choice of words but but see them at least considered and worked through to an extent. And then if you want to move on to something else, that's fine. But I, I love seeing these little pockets of work within a body of work rather than just a, a myriad of, of sort of, stuff. yeah, of, of haphazard. Photography. I, yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, and, and I think that, that, um, it, I, I met a guy last week who, uh, was one of the former, photo editors at New York times mm-hmm. and, uh, back in the day. Right. And, uh, and we've been friends on Facebook and stuff and, and I bumped into him on the street with a friend and he's like, Oh, and he like shakes my hand. He's like, Oh, it's so nice to meet you. He's just like, I, you know, he's like, I love your work, blah, 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 blah. He says, you know, he's like, don't take this the wrong way. But I, I thought, I thought that you would be older. He's like, you're really young for your work. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he's just like, he's like, no, you're, you're, he's like, your work is really mature for your age. And I was like, I'm 41. He's like, yeah, it's still, you know, hmm. and, and I took that, I took that as a, he, he meant it as a compliment. And I took it as a compliment in the sense that I think I, I know what it is that I do and what I'm good at. And I'm trying to work that as opposed to kind of jumping around all over the place, trying to find myself, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting the safety pin in my ear. I kind of know who I am and I know I'm a guy who doesn't wear a safety pin, you know, and that doesn't mean that you don't try new stuff and, and, and work to push boundaries. But there's also, there's also a, a, uh, a nice thing of sort of defining yourself in a way that you feel comfortable within your own skin, you know? And I think it's sort of an element of, I don't know, maturity in art. I don't know. Okay. Conversation for another time. But anyway, yeah. I just, yeah. I took it as a compliment, but, but yeah, I, I, I totally know what you're saying. And like, like you were saying about this woman in the interview, she knows who she is. 
Mm-hmm. You know, she's very deliberate. Like, no, this, you know, I did this project and I did that project. And then I put it aside and I moved on to this other thing. It's like, wow, that's great that you have that much self-knowledge that you're able to, to do that right. without, without feeling like you're going to lose yourself by trying something that is, that is, that is different, but you see it as, as one part of your whole project, your whole, you know, your whole life's work. I don't sure. know, I thought it was nice. Sure. Anyway, Barbara Crane, photographer of the week. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good choice. Uh, got anything else before we roll this thing out? I have one thing. What's, which is what? Uh, oh, one other little New Orleans thing. Music is huge, as you would expect. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, New Orleans. I think so, yeah. And, and there was a particular musician on the, uh, uh, on the street that I kept running into and ended up having a couple terrific conversations with. Uh, his name is Joe Sheldo. Um, kind of a singer songwriter feel almost like, uh, oh gosh, David Gray meets, oh, I don't know. I don't know now, but listen to it. Good stuff. I, I sent you I a will, link I, yep, in Skype. I will put a link in the show notes. Um, and, and just a really cool guy had, like I said, had a couple conversations with him when I would see him as I was wandering around the quarter. And uh, he, he's 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 a he's a, a genuine a genuine dude. Really well, cool. Well, we should uh, we should see if our listeners can um, go listen, and if you like it, go spend seven dollars and buy his record. Let's see if we can buy him lunch on our. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. Uh, there, there were there were a few that that we ended up talking with, and he uh, kind of a cool story. He recorded this record uh, at a studio. Um, near Joshua Tree. Yeah, I see that, yeah. And he was playing, and one of the guys from Queens of the Stone Age was listening to him play and and really dug his playing and said, hey, you know, if you ever want to put something together, we should, we should you know, get out to California, we should do something. And he so made it happen. to California? No, no, he went, that's where they recorded this record. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, but uh, just, a, just a really cool guy. Had some great advice about where to go in the city. Saw some cool things on, on his advice. So Joe Sheldo, God on Repeat is the name of the record. Okay, we will check it out. Yeah. Um, How about you? What do you got? You shooting today, tomorrow? What are you doing? Uh, today, I'm not shooting, but I've got a couple shoots that I'm hopefully going to do this week for um, for the new project, and i got to shoot on Thursday. Do you have a name magazine. for the project yet? I do not. All right. Although, Drabbles was originally called Striking, which is interesting because it's still in my portfolio, not in my portfolio, but in my you know, in my Lightroom catalog, yeah. there's a folder called striking. It's not called oh, travel. No kidding. No yeah. kidding. Um, so, what, you know, what, uh, what, let's talk about what made you change that next time. Okay. Sure. Cause that's, that's a fun series. Put a note in there. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Oh, new, uh, Ask Bill and Dan episode 10, which was pretty good. So if you're uh, back, good. Go check it out. Uh, I'm getting back on track with PD. Um, upcoming. Gosh, I hate to even say it's it. Coming. I don't want to, I don't want to. Well, no, don't it. jinx it. Then don't jinx it. But we have talked about him on the show. Um, yeah. Barack That's Obama. All. Yes. Ah, yes. Rock. <laughs> He's going to Barack the house. Okay. One last thing. Did you see <laughs> the thing of Lin-Manuel and Obama rapping that whole thing? That was pretty funny. It is pretty funny. But could you, it's, it's good. Although I think that Lin-Manuel, as much as I love him, I don't think his freestyling skills are really like the best in the world. I'm sure there are people who are, you know, 
even better. He's fine, but like he's okay. yeah. people keep yeah. setting him up as if he's like the best freestyler in the world. It's like, no, nah, the guy's not. I mean, he's good. He's sweet, and I love him. But like, stop using that trick. It's a parlor trick. Anyway, but he is it uh, a parlor. I I couldn't tie all that thing, all those things together. Well, yeah, but either can a person who's doing a trick in a parlor. Um, but anyway, <laughs> there's a scene. There's part where the Obama turns around. And he goes, "All right, uh, drop the beat." Yeah, I love it to the drummer that's sitting <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, I love that. Like, do you think we will ever have a president in the White House in our rest no. of our lifetimes who will be no. able to non-ironically say drop the beat and have it sound cool? <laughs> and he's just got that little point. Yeah. You know, he's it's like, like okay, not uh, quite a point. Yeah, yeah. Dr- drop the beat. <laughs> I was like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just, I don't know. I just loved that. I love yeah, that. That's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, with that, uh, we'll see you next week. Yep. Have a great week, everyone. Podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Yep. Uh, Bill Wadman on the Twitter and the Instagram. Jeffrey Sidoris on the same uh, Facebook as well. 347-687-9411 is the voicemail, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, leave us a voicemail. We like voicemails. And, and what uh, was this? This was 204, right? 204? Yeah. yeah, 204. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Have a good week. Say what you want to say I know what you will say Will you